welcome to the Mastermind Leadership Podcast. The Mastermind Leadership Collective's vision is to help you master the leader within, develop and equip the leader within each and every individual, and help organizations reach their goals through leadership development. The Mastermind Leadership Collective is made up of three unique leaders, myself, Evan Grizzle, the incomparable Jason Staten, and the amazing Nate Whitley. How is everybody doing today? Awesome. Good. Good to see Good. you guys again. Yes, we are back, and we hope that you all were bobbing your heads the way we were bobbing our heads to the intro music, because it's pretty good. Um, last time, we talked about a pretty cool subject, we, we leadership defined, and if you, if you haven't listened, go back and listen, because it's chock full of amazing things, and, and all three of us were here as the others were talking, taking notes, so we, we trust that you're going to be doing the same. Um, in that episode, we looked at Webster's definition or the Google definition of leadership, and it is defined as the action of leading a group of people or an organ or an organization. But the definition omits one very important part of the equation, and that is the motive. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So why don't we start? I think last time we started with Jason, Nate, why don't we start with you today? Why don't you talk about a, a little bit about the importance of the motive in leading people or organizations? Yeah, I think this is a, uh, a very overlooked aspect of leadership. Um, and if we're not careful, we'll not be able to discern between uh, right motives and wrong motives in leadership. Uh, I think maybe um, I'm speaking for myself, but I know I've, I've been under um, uh, impure motive leadership, if that's the way you could say it. Um, and it's not, it's not cool. Um, it's not, it's not uh, an effective way to lead. It's probably the least effective way to lead. And I think when we, we look at motives, it's hard to, we might be able to see it um, in others. We can probably define it in others and see it in others, but we can't define it or see it within ourselves. Um, and that's the hard part because we don't like to, um, you know, be honest with ourselves and our, and our, and our motives. I think we're always thinking it's doing it the right way. Um, and maybe even we think being, the most uh, pragmatic is the most effective way. Um, but if we're if in, and there's a difference, there's a difference in being pragmatic and, and trying to do it the right way. Um, and so I think we have to find that way. And hopefully within this, this episode, we can kind of heart, or we can start to clear up uh, the muddy and the muddy waters of motive in leadership. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Because I, I think um, a, a, a book I was reading, I, I want to say it was Didn't See It Coming by Kerry Newhoff. Um, I'm a Kerry Newhoff fan. And, and he said, one of the things that he said is that um, we will judge others based on their actions, but we'll judge ourselves based on our intentions. Um, and I think the thing that, that we tend to forget is that we will see actions and we don't know the intent of the action. So that could be a negative in that someone acted in a way, but if I understood their intention, uh, you know, there's an old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Um, so maybe I need to understand their, their intentions. I think Brene Brown said people make sense up close, so lean in. You know, I need to understand the why behind what they're doing. But when it comes to leadership, 
we oft we often uh, forget about intentionality in that. And and Jason, maybe you can shed some light on this. The intentionality or the intention behind our leadership, like where where is that birthed within the leader? If that makes sense. Yeah, I, you know, as a as a leader, I think I should be. You know, I think being in, introspective and taking time to evaluating, maybe even getting honest feedback from those around you and you start to, you know, realize that, you know, my intention and how I lead comes from so many different areas. It comes from examples that I saw. It comes from things that happened in my background, uh, successes and or failures, insecurities that can be birthed out of that, uh, fears. Um, it, it, so I think there's a host of areas that our intentions can, can come from. Um, now that pathway, when we start to realize maybe all my intentions aren't well, you know, then creating that pathway to how can I, how can I fix that? How can I get better intentions? How can I get better? How can I fix my motives? That's good. And, and two, you know, one of the things that will define our leadership that you, you got me thinking is sometimes it's defined by the organization that we're serving, because sometimes we have to change our leadership style based on where we are, who we're serving, who we're talking to. Um, so there's a lot of things that will define the way we lead, but they don't have to define the why behind our leadership. And so there was a book, and I think most of us have read it because we've talked about it by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. The why has to be something that we dive and delve into, whether it is a religious leader or an organizational leader that is in it for money, whatever the case is, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting your uh, product to get more buyers and you're wanting your uh, services to reach more people, whatever the case is, it starts with why. Um, Nate, maybe we talk about one of the things that I think is so interesting is, is how do we develop a why? How do we develop the why behind what we do? I, I, going off what you said there, I think it, 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 it flows from the context of where we're living or where we're leading and being able to, to, uh, effectively define why we're doing what we're doing. So um, let's, I'm going to use our church, first apostolic church here in Knoxville, our, our, our motto, our vision, our goal, we say this, our goal is souls. So every team, every department, wherever we serve, that is, that's the motto. Our goal is souls. And so everything we do from uh, planning Every, uh, from marketing, advertising to the lessons we choose, uh, all those things that is it serving that 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 mission of souls, even how we talk to each other, how we communicate with each other, make sure that's still the vision of, you know, this is a soul, whether it, we're not just reaching souls of, of those beyond the walls of our church, but also the person that we're working with is a soul as well. And so that's a goal. Make sure that's a, that's still a goal too, to make sure that we're taking care of each other. And so that, that's the why for, for us, like that's, that's what we do. Everything we do is from flows from that why. And, and if we can't uh, define what we do, so whether it's an event, whether it's a, a lesson or something that doesn't fall underneath that, if it's not going to serve that, what's it matter? And it's kind of like, you know, the, um, I've heard someone say, does it pass the um, who cares, you know, uh, test? Who cares? At the end of the day, who cares about this? 
And if it, if it doesn't fall under that, you know, for our church, uh, the, the vision for our goal is souls, then we're going to toss it out and find something else. So I think we have to define why we do what we do, why we are going after what we are pursuing in our organization, our church, our team, whatever it is, we have to be able to define that. And if we can't define that why, it's not going to matter what we do. That's so good. It, 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 and it sounds like this is, this is the note that I made. Vision drives intention. Um, do you guys, Jason, maybe you can unpack that thought that the, because we're, we keep on coming back to vision. So I know we're going to have a podcast coming up about vision crafting and vision casting, but Jason, maybe you can kind of dive down that rabbit hole for us of, of what role vision plays in our intentions as leaders. I think when Nate was uh, talking about the churches, you know, their why, um, the book that I read probably 12 years ago that really revolutionized my thinking as a leader and a pastor was a simple church, which, you know, probably most pastors have read it and it, it just talked about exactly what Nate said, that if this doesn't fall under a specific area of our vision, we're not doing it because there, and I looked at the time, I looked at our calendar and we had stuff that was just all over the place. Some of it was, I, I think it was just play. We had placeholders on the calendar, but it wasn't pointing back to our vision. And that kind of tied in when I, when I became the pastor here 15 years ago. So my dad had planted the church and um, you know, my dad's a, really truly one of a kind person. Like I, I'll never be one thirtieth of the man. My dad is as far as church planting. He's planted multiple churches. He's taught literally hundreds and maybe even thousands of Bible studies And our church here had been built off of that. And so when I became the pastor, um, the, but the one thing I saw about my dad is that because he, he does it all, he taught all the Bible studies and he led all the programs and it didn't have any scalability to it. That's like it. It, it was a ceiling to the growth of the church. And so what I tried to do is not erase what my dad did, but I want to, I tried to identify what are the principles that my dad has done to build this church. And those became our why. And then we started training the church on those principles. And now again, we were not, we haven't seen some, but, but, but we have done some pretty good things. And I think it's because we took, we took what he was doing and made it why, and then we could train people on the why. Yeah, that's so good, you know, because your why is not is most vast majority of the time is not going to be someone else's why unless it is cast well and adopted. Right. Um, So you you adopted the why, but you changed the uh, application to to better suit scalability, Um, um, because we'll talk about scalability at some point. But because that's important to to note is that um, I did the same thing, taking over a church that my father-in-law pastored for 30 years. Uh, It's it's not erasing the why before, but it's better fleshing it out to serve the now um, and and pursue the future, because obviously people I think people are called to lead within their generation and then the generations that come after them. and so I think that that that's an important thought to kind of dive into there. Nate, do you have anything to add to that before we move to this next part? Yeah, let me let me go off of what you both just said, which was um, excellent. Leaders operate by by two things: principles and practices. Practices change; principles never change. 
That's good. So your your dad had the principle of what he used to build a church, but the practice of it has evolved since since Jason took it and since Evan took it. And and so yes, the, so we have to make sure that uh, we understand that our why our why is this thing, whatever it is, your organization, your church is. But the that that principle is not going to change. But the practice of it, how we can get there. Uh, and I think we have to be flexible. And I think that's sometimes we make the practice, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, the, 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 the practices, uh, you know, the, are idols. They're, they're the, they're the, they're the, the, the golden calves that can never be torn down. And so many people make the practices, that's the so principles good. when really that's got to change. That's got to evolve. That's got to move. We got to tear that down. Yeah. And, but the principles, and I think that's, you know, we're off a different subject here right now, but I think that's a lot of our church's issues right now is we've, we've made practices, um, the immovable objects, and we're trying to say, Hey, no, the principles still the change is the, is the same. We're not changing the, the principles, we're just changing the practices of how we're going to get there to reach our generation. That's so good because a lot of the stuff that that we're going to talk about maybe at some point or another has been discovered in the past, but it has to be translated to today. Um, you know, there's there's different scriptures and different things like uh, there's nothing new under the sun or I become all things to all men. Like, I think that's the thing that we have to do is we have to take our why and we have to translate it to the now. Um, and, and then, like you said, the principles of what we're doing never change depending on the organization unless you have a complete shift in direction. The principles will never change, but it's the practices that will, um, you know, I, I think that's the big, that, that's such a good point. And again, another podcast where we can talk about something incredible. Um, one of the things that I think people, uh, people idolize leadership. Um, they, they idolize the thought of having a specific role or title. And one of the things that, that, that will happen is when a person I feel like will, will say, I want that title. When they get the title, they will find that the fun will, will go away. And when the fun goes away, fulfillment goes away. How do we operate with when fun is waning? But we, I think, and you guys can tell me what you think about this. I think fun can be there, but when it wanes, I think our jobs as leaders could still be fulfilling. Does that make sense? Maybe we can talk a little bit about that when, when, when it isn't fun, but it is fulfilling. Yeah. Somebody want to pick up the ball? <laughs> Sorry. I dropped it pretty good right there. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I mean, so much of pastoring in the last year has not been fun. <laughs> um, I think they, there's a phrase they've come up with decision fatigue. I think they call it. And I think I've experienced, I think one month into the last year and a half, I was decision fatigued. So I don't know what I am now, yeah. um, but you know, it, it wasn't fun, but it was fulfilling in the sense that you saw people, um, you saw the, the church continuing to move forward. You saw people that you knew were battling with fear, um, pressing beyond that and, and, and the church holding together. Uh, so I, I think it Again, it stopped being fun a long time ago, but it's still fulfilling because I think, and I think this ties back to our last conversation because our why is still um, being validated and our why is still being accomplished. And so there is still fulfillment there. 
That's so good. You're fulfilled when your why is validated. I think I think that's such a good point. And 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 your why is going to be validated when you lead with the intentions that are principles that don't change. Um, Nate, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Like, if if leadership isn't if leadership isn't fun, or or I'm sorry, if leadership isn't fulfilling. How do we address our motive? Like, where do we go to if we say, okay, this, this isn't doing what I thought it would do? Where do we boil it down to to say, okay, what are my motives here? And I, I'm, I'm obviously coming from a, a Christian perspective here. Um, I think it comes down to calling. You, you, if you're called to it, um, if if you're called to it, you're going to stick with it, um, and that that's difficult for some of us, some you know, to to maybe realize. And I try to talk people out of you know preaching and, and pastoring and leadership even because if you're, it's not for the weak. It's not for, it's not for the the the, the faint, the faint-hearted, or the thin-skinned. Uh, because it's it is hard. It is very hard. And when you meet those hard moments, you've got to come back to, am I called to do it? And it's not um, uh, necessarily about uh, what I'm paid to do. It's about what I'm made to do. And and when you're made, when you feel like I'm made to to be a leader, I'm made for the like God called me and made me this. I can't quit on the hard days when it's not fun. And that's the thing that gets you up in the morning. That's the thing that, that gets you to the next, the next meeting, uh, to the next project. And I think sometimes, too, how do you get the fun back? I think it's like, you know, I, I, I have the marriage analogy. Uh, you have to date it again. You're going to have to flirt with it again. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make those moments. How do I get back to those moments, those early moments when I was dating my wife and we were just, we were newlyweds. How do we get that back? Well, you're going to have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional with those things and you have to set aside time that it's not just raising kids and, and getting dinner ready. chill out, veg out and not worry about it. And I think that's the same thing too, as leaders, as if you're, if you're, if you're made for it, you're going to, you're going to make it. That's so good. It's not what I'm paid to do. It's what I'm made to do. That's a wow. book. That is a book waiting <laughs> to happen, brother. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the marriage point because this is something that I tell people all the time, like in, in marriage class and counseling, whatever I'm doing, if I'm talking about marriage, I talk about habit forming. Um, habit forming becomes so vital to success. So me and my wife, we formed habits that were difficult to form in the beginning, but when they became second nature, they've made our marriage successful. And I think it's the same thing in leadership and anything that you do is you form habits like you talked about courting it again, right? We're courting, we're coming back into that that love of what we're made to do. 
And I think we have to build habits that are sustainable, but will also create future successes. Um, and, and in the beginning, that's hard because, you know, forming habits, I think atomic habits, I can't remember the author, but it's a great book on, does anybody know the author of, of atomic James habits? clear. James Clear, thank you. So, Atomic Habits by James Clear. James Clear. I can't. I don't know about all the language that's in it. I can't. I might not be able to endorse that, but I can endorse the principles behind it. Because if we can form good habits, it creates future success that doesn't feel habitual, right? It doesn't feel tasking. It doesn't feel like work. It's just a part of our DNA, and that is so stinking good. Um, mm-hmm. One of I the think th- I think what he said too. He said he he make habits fun, That's make them good. enjoyable. You got to make them fun, if, and if yeah. they're if they're not fun, they're they're not going to be habits. Yeah. That's good. And, and you know the thing that hit me the most with when he's talked about habits is thinking about what would a person that does this do? Like if I wanted to work out, what does someone that works out do? If I want to be a good servant leader, what does that servant leader do? And then I'm going to do it because that's what I want to become. Um, and I think, you know, this is something we kind of danced around and we're going to jump back into it. So we talk about vision a lot. Um, but I think, and, and, and Jason, tell me what you think about this. I think leading is twofold. I think we lead with our vision in mind, but we also lead with the individual's vision in mind. Can we unpack that to a point where it really drives home our motive for leading people? I definitely, I think we, you know, the, the people that I'm leading, the people that are working with me, that are on my team. I, I think that, you know, they come to me. So the, the whole, you know, first Corinthians where it talks about, I think it's chapter 12, it talks about the church being a body and all those members of the body are fitly framed so that, you know, each part of the body physically has a function. Any part of the body that's not functioning, there's something wrong. All right. So I think when we make that parallel to the church, that to me should bring a spiritual belief that every person that is in my church, God put them there. They're not there accidentally. They're there intentionally. Therefore, their function is tied to the purpose of the body. So I think though there has to be an alignment that this, the, the mission, the vision that God has given me for this organization, for this church, it should tie into the vision of that person. They should, they, at some point they should match up. All right. That their motivation should tie into our mission. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be an intersection, right? There's right. going to be an intersection of that point where, okay, this person is fulfilling the vision for their life, which fulfills the vision of the church. And there may be a point where they dissect again, but there's right. going to be a point of intersection. And that's like right. that peak moment when the yes. individual's vision meets the organizational vision. Um, and it may be that you're developing the next pastor of the church. And so it becomes that, that intersection becomes a long-term thing. And sometimes it's a short-term thing that, you know, you develop this person to the point of using a church analogy going out into evangelistic field so now it's dissected but i think that's so important um nate i want to ask you this question and 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 you can kind of it, it sticks with vision because we talked about vision is driven uh by motive right or, or vision drives intention or motive um what role do we as leaders play in another person's vision 
And that's that's where I think we have to really step out of uh, of ourselves, kind of maybe get out of our own way to to lead, because. And I think and it's a difficult part because we know, like Jason said, we know what the vision of the organization should be. But if if we don't know what the individual's vision is, they're not going to find fulfillment either. And they, they're going to have to be able to find fulfillment within that vision. And one thing that we we have to do as leaders, and and again, using our, our context as pastors, um, we have to really make sure that we're telling and, and, and proclaiming to people that you don't have to be the main person. You don't have to be the lead pastor. You don't have to be the main preacher. And I think that's one thing we've done as a disservice in our movement, especially is that if you're not those two things, then you don't have a place in, in, the, in, the, in the church, the organization, the kingdom. Um, and so I think we have to be able to find, okay, what's the thing for you as an individual that gets you up in the morning? What's, what is that thing? Um, that might be the thing that God's calling you to. And we have to ask, we have to be able to be, to, to free up. It's not, Hey, I think you could be a preacher. I think you can be a, I think you can be a Sunday school teacher. I think you could be whatever. And we have to allow them to, to unwrap their gifts unwrap those things we have to help them do that sometimes and sometimes we have to see it within them we have to you know john maxwell not the book that uh came out i think last year was um the leader's greatest return um he talks about in one of the lectures um, that i watched online he says you know i ask i ask organizations what are you looking for in a leader and he said every time they always say this i'll know it when i see it um and he's like no no that's you that's not it he said, you have to, when you, when you know it, then you will see it. And you have to know what you're looking for within a church or an organization and then help people unlock that. And when you see that and, and, and you start to um, kind of unveil and illuminate that in somebody, man, they find fulfillment. Oh, wow, I can, I'm, I'm free to not be a, a pastor. I'm free to not be a preacher and I can find fulfillment in hospitality or or some other, uh, you know, ministry or or effort within a church, and we have to ask them that. Don't just put it on them that, hey, man, you if you're not a preacher, you're not doing anything. No, Certainly. not everybody's going to be. A, not everyone's going to be that person. Not, not, and and I know we've we've said this, and we've pre you should be teaching home Bible studies. Well, there's a lot of people I don't want teaching home Bible studies, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 so I, I make, so but good. but I do want them cooking a meal maybe yeah. cooking a meal and taking it to somebody who's teaching yeah. a home bible study yeah. and with, i think we have to unlock that within them and so free good. them up from uh undue pressure to do something or be something that they're not called to do or be that's good that, that's so good because i think a lot of times too that that pressure will drive people to a point but it always ends in failure but if you alleviate the pressure and allow them to step out of that, like at our church, what we do is we do two years. We do, I want you to commit for two years to a specific thing. It gives you one year to get your feet under you and the second year to really do well. And if at the end of those two years, you're not, it's not in you, then, Hey, we can step away and we can feel, we, we get that pressure off of us as a, as an organization 
to put someone else in that role. And that person gets the pressure off of them as an individual to step away from that role. Um, I think that's really important. And that's why we have the mastermind leadership intake assessment uh, with our coaching is that this is what separates our leadership coaching from all other coaching out there is that we have an assessment that is not generalized, but it is focused on you. And what it does is it looks at your strengths, it looks at your weaknesses, and it looks at your goals. And it takes your weaknesses as it makes them stronger. It plays on your strengths to help you reach that goal. And it's completely individualized. And that's what makes a difference is because we're leading people. We're not leading a massive group where we paint with a broad brush. Um, uh, Jason, let me ask you this. This kind of moves into this next part, and then we're, we'll finish up with motivation versus manipulation. But what? So we talked about what role other what we play in other people's vision. But what role, if we have the proper motive, what role will people play in our vision, whether it be an individual vision or a corporate vision? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is. The key to me is I know that my vision can never come to pass without the help of other people. I mean, you look at so many examples in scripture, but Joseph is probably the most, to me, glaring. Uh, not all of those people that we look at necessarily were what might be optimal, but from, you know, the, the Midianite or the, the, the slave traders who came by and purchased him out of the pit to even Potiphar's wife, who uh, you know, those aren't the kind of contributors we want necessarily, but every one of those people to Pharaoh having a dream. And then even there, you know, you've got the, the, in the prison, you've got the baker and the butler and Joseph. And if those two, all three of those, their dreams, Joseph's ability to interpret helped the, the butler get out of prison or, or was it the, yeah, the butler get out of prison. And so that, that all of their dreams intertwined, and then Pharaoh's dream brings it all together to where Joseph ends up where he had dreamed all the way back in the beginning he would be. And me being on this podcast with the two of you is just, I look at every relationship God brings in my life as fulfillment of this, that this person, now it can't be one-sided where, okay, what are you going to do for me? But it's also, okay, how can I also in some small way help you to get closer to yours? But I think, um, to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I have no chance of ever reaching my purpose, my potential without other people coming alongside me. That's so good. That's so good. Jason or, or Nate, do you have anything to add there before we jump into the second, this last part? Going off what he said there, he, I love that story of Joseph. Um, and he's, he's an overlooked leader in scripture. Um, but you know, you can't have, the palace can't take place without the reality of the pit and the prison. And there's no palace without the pit or the prison. And if we're going to, if we're going to help people get to the palace, sometimes we got to give them the authentic real view that there's going to be a pit and there's going to be a prison sometimes in your life. And I think we have to be able to lead that and tell them about that and be honest about that. Um, prosperity doesn't take place without a pit or a prison. Well, I appreciate you giving me my sermon for next Sunday. <laughs> Possibly, I got to go preach in at a in in a, a friend's church, and uh, that might be that one. So, thanks for that. I feel like that's a, a series you just gave us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's <laughs> the pit, go. the prison, and the palace. Boom. 
Yep. Three week I love three that weeks. <laughs> yeah. I told you, man, the king <laughs> of one liners, bro. So here we go into this last part, which I think is is kind of vital. So we've been talking about the motive this entire time. And we one of the things we have to talk about is motivation versus manipulation. And the root word of motivation is motive. Where is it coming from? So there, the thing that we have to understand is that there's a motive for both. There's a motive for manipulation and there's a motive for motivation. And, and maybe, uh, maybe Nate, we'll start with you since we just finished with, with Jason's thoughts, um, on on that other subject. How, How do we delineate those two, um, motivation versus manipulation? Man, um, it is, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Um, and there's I my pastor at home, back home in Indiana, Pastor Tim Gill, his dad was uh, in the true essence, and I don't I don't give this title to many people, but he was a true prophet. And he always said, and he was a man who operated mightily in the spirit, and he said, there's um, there's a fine line between the gifts of the spirit and witchcraft. And uh, there is, there is a, because you, when you become so uh, available to the spirit realm, you can be seduced between, um, between the real and, and the, the fake. Um, And I think we have uh, as leaders, it's the same thing. There's a very fine line between, motivating and manipulation yeah um uh there's i i'm, I'm going to give you a, a couple of examples um uh just uh i've tried to real life examples i I've, I've come into contact with a young man uh who was at a church and he really felt like he was being manipulated by by the pastor by the leader and and to to keep him there um as you know they would to keep him there, they would buy him things uh, to keep him from leaving and, and going to do other ministry works that he had opportunities to do and that he felt to do. You know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, if you know, if you leave here, you're not going to have this. And if you leave here, you won't have that. Um, and I'm going to give you my personal example. I'm going to give you a personal example uh, that I lived through and, um, and I had a pastor that I grew, I grew up under, and it wasn't Tim Gill. I, that was later on in life. But my pastor I grew up under, you know, he would get up and say, if you leave this church, you will go to hell. And uh, that, that, that was taught regularly. That was taught regularly at our church. Um, and it wasn't just you leave our truth church. It was you leave this church for another truth church, it, you will go to hell. And that's brothers and sisters, that's, that's manipulation. Uh, that's manipulation of the highest order. Um, and I think once, and what's the motive behind that? The motive behind that is to keep people there, uh, for, you know, selfish reasons to, to have people in the pews. Um, and that's, that's not, that's not, that's not leadership. That's, that's manipulating people. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's leading from a place of insecurity. I think Jason mentioned that earlier and it's leading from a place of narcissism and 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 um we can, we can't we don't do it that way i don't think we leave we don't lead that way we have to motivate people not to for them to stay where we are to stay in our organization or stay in our our team but 
hey, let's let's motivate people to do what's good for them and what's good for the organization or the mission. And it's it's very difficult um, when we start to get our selfish ambitions and motivations behind what we're trying to say and do and communicate. And we have to be very, very careful to check ourselves to make sure we're not just trying to keep someone or to, for somebody to do something just for for us. That's good. That's good. Jason, you have anything to add there? No, I've just got to change my title for this Sunday. It was going to be, if you leave this church, you're going to hell, but I'm going to change it now. For <laughs> <else>. <laughs> I love it. You know, I think one of the, there's a couple of things there. So um, I think one of the things too, like, you know, Nate, you mentioned narcissism, narcissistic tendency. I'm married. For those of you that don't know, I'm married to a, a mental health expert and she's getting her doctorate now and she's a genius. Um, and she's really intelligent about that stuff. But one of the things that, um, narcissism gets tossed around a lot. And, and so people can be narcissistic, but they can also have narcissistic tendencies and not be a true narcissist. They can't, maybe they don't check all the boxes, but they check a couple. And I think that one of the things that we, we look out for just because the leader tells you, maybe he shoots down an idea. One of the things you have to remember about a leader is if they shoot down your idea, sometimes there's more things at play than just the one thing. So you can't think that just because they shoot down an idea here or there that they're manipulating you or they're trying to keep you down. But also, I think that as leaders, we have to be careful that we don't let um, our, like Nate said it, and I think it's so stinking important, our insecurities drive how we lead people because if insecurity is the driver, we're always going to hold people back so that we'll have the upper hand. We're always going to want to keep people close instead of letting them go out. And the true tell of a good leader is the amount or quality of leaders that they create. Um, it, from, from my point of view, I think a good leader will create good leaders. And what is the, what is the point of creating good leaders? if they don't lead in your church or you don't send them out to lead. And so I think that's a, that's manipulation. What I had wrote down is, is motivation is to lead or push toward the goal that is better for the person, the leader and the group, but manipulation will leave out the individual and say, it, you lead or push them toward a goal that is better just for the leader or selfish toward the organization. So I think motivation is that we look what is good for everyone involved. And manipulation is we just look at an individualized party in that. Um, so I think, you know, time is, is kind of caught up with us. There are so many good things said here. Um, does either one of you have anything to add before Jason takes us out? Don't miss the next episode. That's, that's going to be Nate. Great that's stuff, Nate's great one line. <laughs> that's it. Jason, thank you so much. Nate, thank you so much. You guys are incredible. Jason, why don't you lead us out for the, for the listeners out there? Sure. We here at the Mastermind Leadership Collective uh, do our best to add value in every podcast and reach a diverse audience. But in addition to that, we do offer personal coaching and mentoring. Uh, we're available either individually or as a team. We could come and, and do training for your local church and or business. So be sure to follow us on Instagram and at Mastermind Leadership. Subscribe to the Mastermind Leadership Podcast on all platforms and Visit us at mastermindleadershipcollective.podia. That's P-O-D-I-A dot com. Connect with us and let us know how we can serve you and assist you in mastering the leader within.